drive time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Monday, January the 31st, 2022. God is so very good. You have survived your weekend. Congratulations. You get to get back at it. Just imagine what you're going to accomplish this week. The opportunity to do cool and awesome things for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. Whatever you do, whether it's work, school, you know, working at home, working out of the home, whatever it is you're, you've got on your agenda today. Offer it up to God, and it will it will be great, I promise you. Uh, we're going to have a great show today. In fact, uh, Gabriel Castillo is back in the studio. We're very excited about this. Praise be to God. He's got, uh, that, uh, he's got like three YouTube channels. One of them is Gabi After Hours. He put out a great video yesterday. Uh, Father, please stop. And you know, and it spoke right to my heart. It was about, in essence, it was specific to one particular Eucharistic abuse. But I have to say, when I watched it, I mean, I've shared this with you before. You know, you know the deal. You've heard me talk about this before. I have like PTSD when it comes to Eucharistic abuses on the altar. I literally get very emotional. I, I, I start to lose it. I can't watch. I, I just get so nervous. I can't physically watch what happens when they're preparing to distribute Holy Communion because of some of these careless, casual uh, behaviors up on the altar. It literally just freaks me out. And uh, so we're going to have a conversation with Gabriel Castillo coming up at 6.15, or rather 15 past the hour, 7.15 if you're on the East Coast, uh, about that, about his brand new video, Dear Father, Please Stop. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. 35 past the hour, Jonathan Van Muren is going to be back on the program, or I should say he's never been on. He's going to be on with us. He, uh, You can often hear him commentating on live site news, but he's heard it elsewhere. He had a book come out back in, I think it was 2016, The Culture War. And we're going to have a conversation about how we're doing in The Culture War. We're going to talk a little bit about Alfred Kenzie, the father of sexual revolution. And you might have caught a story that there was a new document coming out about Hugh Hefner, founder of Playboy, and his deep depravity and perversities, and that whole generation who embraced it hook, line, and sinker, but is in incredibly broken as a result of that. We'll have that conversation coming up with Jonathan Van Muren at 35 past the hour. It's going to be a great show today. Do us a favor and share us with a friend because there's so much to cover today. Uh, speaking of which, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Did you happen to catch that incredibly awe-inspiring move, so emotional. It's like a roller coaster of, uh, of uh, Trudeau in Canada at the trucker rally. <laughs> yes. He took the stage. Yeah. He looked to his mm. left. Oh, yeah. He looked to his right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then? Yeah. It turns out he wasn't there. It was, turned, he was, it was a mirage. Yeah, nobody, He's gone. Nobody else heard that speech either. <laughs> he, he said, I am so moved by you truckers. I'm going to remove all of the vaccine mandates. It was only I the was French wrong. people. It was only the French. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Continue to move on. I think the Guinness Book of uh, Records indicated that the largest trucker convoy was like seven miles or something like that. Kilometers, yeah. Was it kilometers? So that's like 14 miles. Is it? It's like double. I think. This was sixty miles long. That's wild. Sixty. Yeah, I was seeing. Miles. I was seeing posts of people saying, you know, like, oh, these truckers are moving through the cities and they're they're honking their horns and I can't sleep. It's just yeah. constant honking. 
Crazy. Well, well, time to wake up. So that was a crazy story over the weekend. Speaking of crazy stories, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. How was your uh, crazy weekend? Oh, praise be to God. It was delightful. We had I uh, went out to El Paso. It's a 12-hour drive from Houston. Actually, wow. more like 13 because we had to stop to eat. And, uh, you know, that was that was a great, great trip. And we had sung songs, talked about theology, philosophy, um, discussed the reign of Mary. It was a great, wonderful time. And then at the in, in El Paso, we climbed Mount Cristo Rey. It was beautiful. There's a huge statue of our Lord at the top of the mountain with a giant crown. It was a beautiful, beautiful trip. We saw the missions that were built in the 1600s. It was, uh, it was an amazing trip. Very good trip. Praise be to God. That's awesome. A uh, piece of bad news over the weekend. Uh, what? Jo- Johnny Fever died. Who? Johnny Fever. Who's Dr. That? Johnny Fever. Is that a uh, uh, singer? No. We're talking about the actor who played Dr. Johnny Fever uh, in the 80s uh, WKRP. Mm. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? You, <laughs> no idea. You did grow about. up. On the reruns, at the very least, right? That was what the forties. Les Nessman, <laughs> Doctor Johnny Fever. What are we talking about? Come on, what's Man, the show? What about? are we talking about? Doctor WKRP in Cincinnati. I have no it idea is, what you're saying. I just I I watched every episode, probably three or four times in the forties. No, in the eighties, my friend. In the eighties. Did you ever watch Power Rangers? No, that's that's, that's oh what what that is horrible. It's incredible. Content. It's absolutely horrible. Wow. Cheesy, best terrible. TV show ever. But let's go back to WKRP. It's so it was such a portion of my childhood. Part of the reason why I love radio today was thanks to WKRP. Is that a radio show? It was a show about a radio station in Cincinnati. And Dr. Johnny Fever had been fired from his big gig in Los Angeles and had to take a small gig out in Cincinnati. So he was bitter and jaded the whole time. And uh, it was it was a it, it, the whole every Thanksgiving less has the turkeys being thrown out of helicopters for the people and then they fall to their death and he did it's what anyway <laughs> I'm mean, so confused it's, it's rough being the old guy in the room <laughs> Doctor Johnny Fever rest in peace God rest your soul I suppose <laughs> all right let's jump in we're behind schedule as it is let's pray we're gonna pray for your intentions dear listener and uh, get our our show started it's gonna be a great program in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost amen remember O most gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and let's dive right into the headline news this morning. The New York Post reports Justin Trudeau moved to secret location during Canada Vax protests. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his family were reportedly moved to a secret location on Saturday after thousands of protesters descended on the country's capital to decry COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Trudeau, his wife, and their children were relocated from their Ottawa home to the undisclosed location in the capital amid heightened security concerns, sources told the CBC. The move to relocate Trudeau came as the protesters mostly made up of a huge convoy of truckers, rolled into the city to rail against COVID vaccine mandates masks, and lockdowns. The Freedom Convoy initially started as a protest against a vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers, but quickly grew into a mass demonstration against the Canadian government over COVID regulations. And the Washington Times reports Senator Susan Collins, Biden pledged to name black women to high court will politicize institution. 
Ms. Collins, who is a Maine Republican, told ABC's This Week that she welcomes the idea of replacing retiring Justice Stephen G. Breyer with a black one. The senator cr- criticized, however, how Biden came to the decision. I believe that diversity benefits the Supreme Court, but the way that the president has handled this nomination has been clumsy at best, she said. It adds to the further perception that the court is a political institution like Congress when it's not supposed to be. Republicans have been quick to rebuke Mr. Biden for appearing to prioritize race and gender over legal qualifications in deciding the candidate pool to replace Justice Breyer. Senator Roger Wicker from Mississippi has gone to the extent of arguing that the White House's pledge is a form of affirmative action. The irony is that the Supreme Court is at the very same time hearing cases about this sort of affirmative racial discrimination, while adding that they would be the beneficiary of this sort of quota, Mr. Wicker told a Mississippi radio station last week. And The Hill reports Spotify to add content advisory to podcasts that discuss COVID-19. Audio streaming giant Spotify announced it would add content advisories to podcasts to discuss COVID-19 after several musicians boycotted the service due to supposed virus misinformation. In a statement on Sunday, Spotify CEO Daniel Ek said the advisory would direct users to COVID-19 Hub, which provides easy access to supposed data-driven facts and expert guidance on the virus. And The Blaze Report's leaked video shows he did showdown when Border Patrol agents confront top officials over Biden's administration immigration policies. Leaked video footage shows the Border Patrol agents in Loretto, Texas, engaged in a tense exchange with Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz on Friday over policies enacted by the Biden administration. The exchange came two days after Border Patrol agents who work in southern Arizona turned their backs on Homeland Security uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas in protest of the Biden administration's immigration policies. The video shows Border Patrol agents confront Mayorkas and Ortiz over low morale over Border Patrol agents, which is attributed to Biden's administration's lenient immigration policies. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. John Bosco, one of my favorite saints. St. John Bosco was born in Italy on August 16th, 1815. 1815. His birth came at just after the end of the Napoleonic Wars, which ravaged the area. He was raised primarily by his mother, for his father died when he was only two years old. John attended church and became very devout. And when he was not in church, he helped his family grow food and raise sheep. Whenever he finally was able to go to school, they found that he had a photographic memory. Uh, One story recounts that he forgot his Greek textbook and he recited his poem uh, from memory in Greek to to the surprise of all the students and the teacher. When John was nine years old, he had his first of several vivid dreams that would influence his life. In his dream, he encountered a multitude of boys who swore as they played and he struck them. Among these boys, he encountered a great majestic man and woman. The man told him that in meekness and charity, he would conquer these your friends. Then a lady also majestic said, be strong, humble, and robust. When the time comes, you will understand everything. This dream influenced John the rest of his life. One Sunday evening, John staged a show for the kids he played with and was heartily applauded. At the end of the show, he recited the homily he had heard earlier in the day. He ended by inviting the neighbors to pray with him. His show and games were repeated, and during this time, John discerned the call to become a priest. John had difficulty finding work, but managed to find a job in a vineyard, and he labored for two years before he met Joseph Cafasso, a priest who was willing to help him. Cafasso himself would later be recognized as a saint for his work, particularly ministering to prisoners and the condemned. 
1835, John entered the seminary following six years of study and preparation and was ordained in 1841. While visiting prison, Father Bosco noticed a large number of boys between the age of 12 and 18 inside. The conditions were deplorable and he felt moved to do more to help other boys from ending up there. And many times the Freemasons tried to kill him and they uh, did not succeed. In fact, whenever Pius IX was elected, he was first supported by the Freemasons until later he had a conversion. And whenever they were having a parade for him, he told the boys when the Freemasons yell out, Long live Pius IX, to shout in response, Long live the papacy. When he was not preaching, Father Bosco worked tirelessly seeking work for the boys who needed it. In searching for lodging for others, his mother began to help. She became known as Mama Margarita. And by 1860s, Father Bosco and his mother had, had, were responsible for lodging 800 boys. Father Bosco died on January 31st, 1888. The call for his canonization was immediate, and Pope Pius XI knew Father Bosco personally and declared him a blessed in 1929. St. John Bosco was canonized Easter Sunday, 1934, and was given the title Father and Teacher of Youth. St. John Bosco, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There is so much that we could dive into in this particular passage. I love it. But here's something from St. Chrysostom this morning. Ashamed to show the feeling which was working within, they do not say openly, why have you honored Peter above us? But they ask in general, who is the greatest? When in the transfiguration they saw three distinguished, namely Peter, James, and John, they had no such feeling. But now that one is singled out for special honor. Then they are grieved. But do you remember first that it was nothing in this world that they sought and secondly that they that they afterwards laid aside this feeling even their feelings are above us whose inquiry is not who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven but who is the greatest in the kingdom of the world St Chrysostom pray for us we should know our role we should know our place we should accept God's will for our life and seek that and that only We'll be right back. Kate Castillo's coming up next. So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. 
First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Corlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Jonathan Van Muren is coming up at 35 past the hour. But real quick, before I forget, make sure to get your car raffle tickets. You might win a brand new Mercedes, praise be to God, a 2022 GLA 250 in night black. The end of February, some lucky Catholic radio listener is going to be driving away in that. You can find all the details at grnonline.com. Just scroll down till you see the uh, Mercedes. Click on that, grnonline.com. Joining us right now in studio, praise be to God. Welcome back. Gabriel Castillo. It is an honor to be here. It is an honor to wake up at the crack of dawn, question my Amen. life choices, and get <laughs> into the studio. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears, praise be to Jesus. Um, your video yesterday, which I saw right after getting out of Holy Mass, uh, really struck me. It should. It should yeah. strike every single person who watches it with a sword in the heart. Every yeah. Catholic who should watch, every Catholic should watch it, hundred percent. A lot of your videos do that, though. So, They're the fruit of prayer and sadness, unfortunately. Yeah. If things were just the, done properly, we wouldn't have to have like videos that pointed out mm -hmm. major flaws in our practice most often. So for those uh, <clears throat> that maybe you're not, not familiar, Gabriel Castillo, is, uh, he's a youth director at a major parish in you know, Houston, Texas, major archdiocese. He's also uh, a YouTuber. He's got several YouTube channels. What Gabby After Hours is the True main Faith one. Yeah, Gabby After Hours. Yeah, it's the main, main one. What are all your channels? Uh, TrueFaith.tv is the major website. We have True Faith Talks, which is lectures that I give that aren't worthy to go on Gabby After Hours because that's yeah. where I try to keep things cinematic. Yeah. And then uh, True Faith TV. This is the Facebook, uh, the YouTube channel is where we do podcasts. Yeah. Got it. You know, um, I'm on a journey like everybody else. Yes. I didn't grow up Catholic. I was Protestant, uh, hedonistic, and secular for the longest time. And then when I became Catholic, it was to get married. And then when I had a mystical encounter with Christ, that changed things for me, put me on this wild ride, this journey. Yes. And and I'm so naive to things. I didn't know that there was uh, things like uh, rubrics or tradition. Right. Yes. I mean, it's just like you're learning this stuff as you go. But I'll never forget the first time I watched a priest uh, after Holy Mass take the greatest care and concern to purificate the the vessels, yes. like just absolutely taking his time to make sure there were no particles yes. whatsoever left on either saboria or, or you know or anything. I was just my mind was blown yes. because you could tell that this guy believed uh, what the church taught yes. about the Holy Eucharist. And then I can tell you how hard it is for me to go to. Uh, now I'm not bashing Nova Sordo yes. here, but when I but. There's a part of the reason why I've gone traditional is because how many times I've watched priests at a Nova Sordo Mass be very careless and casual yes. on the altar. Tell me about that. And they say that the Mass is the best catechesis. And what you said, when the priest takes care of every particle, that's the best catechesis. That says this is Jesus Christ 
every single particle. Watch me with my actions. I want to take a step back. In 2019, we had a doctor's checkup. The Catholic Church had a doctor's checkup. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said things are bad in the body of Christ. So in 2019, Pew Research did a poll of Catholics who attend Mass. Two-thirds who go into the churches say they do not believe in the central mystery of the Catholic faith. The source and summit of the Catholic faith is that Jesus Christ is really, truly, substantially present. The person of Jesus Christ, Council of Trent teaches us the whole Christ. Mm. The Eucharist is not a thing, it is a person. And two-thirds of Catholics who go into the church, all the people around you, two-thirds say, I don't actually believe that. It's just something that we say. Mm -hmm. And what has the church's response been to that? Nothing. Put your head in the sand. Don't look up. We're going to continue on this path towards self-destruction. And so I didn't want to make this video. I, I, like Joe, have fled from parishes that do these practices that say with the language of the body, we've all heard it said, actions speak louder than words. When a priest or deacon or even lay ministers do certain things during the Mass, it speaks volumes. Everything that is done during the math, Mass says, this is real, or it says, this is not real. Yeah. So like Joe, I have fled from parishes that say that the priest says with his actions, this is not real. And sadly, this is something that is widespread. So I went to an adult confirmation mass at a neighboring parish, and I was in utter shock. I, I, I like you, had flashbacks of horrible things mm -hmm. when the deacon and lay ministers were putting their hands into the consecrated ciborium, the, the large dish that the priest uses in many large parishes. They use a large dish. Uh, they want to show unity. And so the, the deacons and the priests would put their hands as if they're grabbing popcorn. I'm sure you've all seen it before if you're thinking about what I'm describing. The video is much better at showing it. And putting their hands like they're grabbing popcorn and just casually dropping the Lord of Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ, into these little dishes, dropping Jesus all over the altar, a few consecrated hosts, which is really our Lord, dropping onto the ground. And this is at mm. a Mass for Adult Confirmation. Men and women who have said, I believe this, I want to live this, I want to receive the sacraments, I want to be an all-in Catholic, and here they are, about to receive the Lord in Jesus, and they're watching him all over the floor. And the deacons and the priests, and I'm not going to use names or name parishes, but they're acting as if this is not important. Yeah. More respect is given to popcorn that is dropped on the floor at home. <laughs> right. yeah. You're wiping the grease spots off of the floor. There was no lay minister there or altar boy or altar, this primarily altar girls, unfortunately. And they were just leaving the Lord there, all the crumbs all over the floor, which is really our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. So that struck in me flashbacks of when I was a, a new graduate from the University of St. Thomas, where our theology was taught to us very well in the sacraments courses, and I had taken a job at a local parish, a mega parish, and I had gotten in trouble because my students were not acting like our Lord was really present in the Eucharist, wow. and I took that as a sword in the heart, because that was my number one desire. I was failing at the number one responsibility, teach Jesus is really present. That's like Catechism 101 stuff. And then I, I reflected on my own life, but then upon further observation, I realized at that point, a new, and I was relatively a new Catholic as well, that the biggest obstacle for my students and for most parishioners to this real presence was the fault of the very parish priest. Now, I don't blame it on these individuals because they're not bad men. They gave their life. They heard the call of God. They said, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to serve the sacraments. But in our churches, certain ideas 
especially revolving around community and revolving around unity, have been placed over divine realities. So they say, I want to consecrate our Lord in a large dish to show unity, where we just had the greatest miracle in human history happen. Bread becomes God. The one who rose from the dead, the one who the Magi came and adored, the one who can walk on water, the one who can heal the sick and cure the blind, the one who raised Lazarus from the dead, just appeared on our altar. Jesus just walked through the door, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and you're saying, I, I, I see this guy over here, but let's talk about unity, ladies and gentlemen. Oof. Forget this great mystery and miracle. The, the longing of your heart can be answered right here at this altar. Let's not think about that. Let's think about how we're a community. And the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. God is present in all of us. I don't need God present in you, Joe, no offense. I need God <laughs> present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Yeah. And so I made this video to highlight and to show and to, to walk people through this various ac actions that can be done and how this can so easily been avoided because this is new. The yeah. loss of faith in the real presence is new. I, you know, we a part of the Adrian. I know you had a question. I want to get to that, but let me just say this real quick. A part, I think, part of the issue is the development of the the mega parish. Yes, yeah. uh, I think has bred a lot of uh, inappropriate yes. actions that have become commonplace. Yes. Adrian, what did you have? Yes, uh, I was just thinking about you know Saint John Bosco and his vision of uh, the Eucharist and the Blessed Virgin being yes. the thing that will keep us stable during <laughs> yeah. turbulent waters. And I'm just thinking, like, all this craziness happening yes. with the Blessed Sacrament, it's an attack by the revolution yes. against uh, Our Lady and Our Lord. And also, I think one thing that needs to be addressed is this army of extraordinary ministers yes. of Holy Communion that we wouldn't need to have a bunch of tiny ciboriums yes. all over the place if we didn't have an army of extraordinary ministers. What say you, Mr. Castillo? So the solution to this is simply bring up these ciborium that have the bread, altar bread, already in it and consecrate it. At that point, don't separate our Lord into various dishes because there's no reverent way to do this. And it's the video's blown up. It's not even been 24 hours. So on my yeah. YouTube channel, it's gotten almost 10,000 views, not even 24 hours. On my Facebook page, it's gotten almost 40,000 views. Wow. So people are upset. We notice this, but we yeah. don't realize we have the power to do something. So what is a lay person to do? Number one, realize that what you see impacts your faith. Actions do speak louder than words. The greatest gift you can give your child is faith in the real presence and taking them to masses where Father is saying with the language of his body, if he's the, the principal guardian of these sacraments, if he's not acting like it's really Jesus, there ain't no way. It'd be a miracle if your children believe that it's really Jesus. So thing number one, watch the video, pray about it, share the video if you've discerned that's what God's will is for you. Talk to your pastor. He's most likely, if he's doing this, and he's been doing it for a long time, he will most likely have a hard heart. So you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you and pray that he receives your information with humility. It would take a lot of humility for him to stop and change course at this point. But what if he, what if he doesn't accept you well? Be willing to walk away, and sadly you'll have to do like many of my uh friends here and go to a parish and give money to a parish, sadly the priests care about money as well, give money to a parish that shows reverence to Jesus Christ, where the priest knows that his job is to save souls and to bring our Lord into people's lives. If you're a parochial vic vicar and listening to this, many young priests, they know better. On that 
adult confirmation I went to, there was a newly ordained priest there, and he was looking at me, and I was looking at him. I'm not going to say his name either. <laughs> and you feel like, I can't do anything because I'm not the pastor. One, you can do something. You are a priest of Jesus Christ. What can you do? Talk to your pastor and say, this is a problem. And, and tell him, there's a reason why people don't believe. And if he says, no, you're going to do this because I am like a little communist and I'm going to make you do my will. <laughs> well, in that case, there's been a long-standing tradition in the church to use only your pointer finger and your thumb to touch the Eucharist after it has been consecrated. Do it slowly. Do it reverently. Every time you touch our Lord and you're moving Jesus from one ciborium to another, make a little prayer that... Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Take your time. And like Joe mentioned earlier, this reverence, this care that you're showing will say with the language of the body, this is really Jesus Christ. And it will be an affront. If the, the pastor says, stop this, I, I'm not stopping this. And if you're a pastor and you're doing this, I beg of you, go before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. One, watch the video with uh, humility. Go before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and say, Lord, speak to me. Have I been doing things wrong? And be open to changing your habits if that's if, if that's necessary. We're, we're just about out of time on this segment, but you're going to hang out with us today? Yes, I'll be here as right, long as you'll take God. me. So uh, Gabe's going to hang out with us for the guest segment and a little bit of the after show, too. So praise be to God for that. Uh, but you're a speaker. You travel the country. Yes, thanks for reminding me, uh, And uh, yeah. we've got about 60 seconds here. You've you got an event coming yes, up. Yes, I will be in Fort Worth on Tuesday at 7 p.m. at St. Andrew's Catholic Church. We're going to be bringing down the house with the fire of the Holy Spirit, talking about the spouse of the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, and the wow. power of the Most Holy Rosary. St. Andrew awesome. Catholic Church in Fort Worth at 7 p.m. It's free and open to the public. Praise be to God. So yeah. check that out. If you know somebody living in that area, great. Otherwise, uh, you tr you do travel across the country. Yes, I do. As long as yeah. you, your, your pastor will invite me, he has to give the Praise final okay. You just can't have me show up at your church. <laughs> and how do people get a hold of you? So you can go to my website or you can email me, gabriel at sugarlandcatholic.com. Gabriel at, at sugarlandcatholic.com. Sugarland yep. All right, praise be to God, Gabriel Castillo. Gabby After Hours is his YouTube channel where that video is located. We're going to link to it on our social feeds as well. Share that with friends and family. I think it's super important. After the break, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos, and then Jonathan Van Muren is going to be on to talk about his book, The Culture War, and Alfred Kenzie, and the Playboy Mansion, and all that stuff. Coming up next. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church, with over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith. Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the Word of God. 
The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com slash raffle. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now more headlines. Breitbart reports FBI nabs Kansas woman accused of leading all-female ISIS battalion in Syria. U.S. citizen Allison Fluke Ekran, who's 42, was previously apprehended in Syria and turned over to FBI custody on Friday. A Saturday release from the Justice Department states, Fluke Ekran, who goes by many different aliases, is charged with providing and conspiring to provide material support to ISIS, a designated foreign terrorist organization, and faces up to 20 years in prison if convicted. The release cites a recently unsealed criminal complaint filed in the U.S. District Court for Eastern District of Virginia in 2019, alleging that since Fluke Ekran left the states for Syria, she partook in numerous terrorism-related activities, dating back to at least 2014. She allegedly took told one witness she longed to carry out an attack in the United States. The release states, To conduct the attack, Fluke Ekran allegedly explained that she would go to a shopping mall in the United States, park a vehicle full of explosives in the basement or parking garage level of the structure, and detonate the explosives in a vehicle with a cell phone triggering device. And One American News reports, Bloody Sunday still scars Northern Ireland 50 years on. Fifty decades after British, or five decades rather, after British soldiers killed 13 unarmed Catholic civil rights marchers on one of the defining days of the Northern Ireland conflict, Relatives are still searching for the justice they believe is needed for a scarred society to heal. Family and friends of the 13 Catholics who died in Derry on Bloody Sunday on January 30, 1972, and of a 14th who died later of his wounds, gathered this week for a series of commemorations to mark the event that helped fuel three decades of bitter sectarian and political violence. While a judicial inquiry found in 2010 that the victims were innocent and had posed no threat to the military, the commemorations come just months after prosecutors announced that the only British soldier charged with murder will not face trial. The current Brit- British government last year announced a plan to halt all prosecutions of soldiers and militants in a bid to draw a line under the conflict, a move that angered relatives and has been rejected by all the main political parties. And Reuters reports U.S. judge annuls Gulf of Mexico oil auction after climate impact. A federal judge invalidated the results of an oil and gas lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico on Thursday, saying the Biden administration failed to properly account for the auction's so-called climate change impact. The decision has cast uncertainty over the future of U.S. federal offshore drilling programs, which has been a big source of public revenue for decades, but also has drawn the ire of activists concerned about its impact on the environment and contribution to supposed global warming. The Gulf of Mexico accounts for 15% of existing U.S. oil production and 5% of dry natural gas output, according to the Energy Information Administration. And Breitbart reports, Florida Sheriff's Office uses gay dating apps in drug investigation and charges 68 suspects. And those were your headline news this morning. God praise, love you. I'm sorry. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Jonathan Van Maren. He is a, a speaker, a writer pro-life activist. He's also the communications director for the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. You can also see a lot of his uh, commentary over at LifeSite News as well. Good morning to you, Jonathan Van Maren. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Uh, Before we jump into your book, uh, The Culture War, came out in uh, 2016, I believe. Uh, You're Canadian. Uh, What's your perspective on the truck uh, rally that happened over the weekend? 
Well, it's really interesting. I've been kind of waiting to see how everything plays out just because the convoy has turned into kind of a flashpoint uh, of the frustration of, of everything going on at the same time. So it began to oppose the cross-border mandates, which of course, I, I think all mandates uh, forcing anybody to get to get something they don't want to get or buying their conscience in any way are, are evil. Um, at the same time, I was just kind of wondering, okay, so how is this going to go just because the U.S. still has a mandate as well? So even if the Canadian government lifted it, uh, they would still be stuck with, with the, the American mandate. But now it's turned really into this expression of frustration that millions of Canadians have had across the country. Uh, neither of our political parties have, have really spoken up at all about any of these issues. And so the convoy has basically been a stand-in for the political valve that most people have for their frustrations in other countries. So it's been very interesting to see it play out. We've had a couple of days of peaceful protest in, in Ottawa, which was really encouraging to see. And now in the days to come, the truckers are saying they aren't going to leave until they get change. And so this is where, wow. this is where things, this is where things can get interesting because you can't get rid of, uh, of these rigs with tow trucks. <laughs> it's a lot harder for sure. But, you know, that's one of the things that came to my mind uh, is this is it's a great thing. I love to see the country come together like that. It's refreshing to see it. Uh, people are kind of sick of, of it all. Uh, but once the trucks are gone, it's business back to usual. I don't see this really having an effect long term. Do you, I mean, do you think it really will or or once this is over, it's over? So that's what I think, and that's one of the. I haven't been saying it because you really don't want to pour cold water. On no, I know, right? Enthusiasm sure. because they've really wanted, like they they've needed a public display that they are not some fringe minority, as Justin Trudeau says, and it's ironic because he literally runs a minority government uh, that he that you know he got to form after receiving the smallest number of votes in Canadian history. So <laughs> he should probably ease up on the minority talk, but no. Uh, it, you know, the, the, the truckers put out this memorandum, memorandum of understanding on, on their way to Ottawa, and, and almost everything in that memorandum of understanding is, is a fundamental misunderstanding of how the Canadian system works. Mm. Like most of what they were asking for couldn't be done by the people they were asking it of. Uh, most of the mandates that they are against are provincial, not federal. So even if they got the prime minister to come out and meet with them, they wouldn't be able to get rid of those mandates. They need the premier's. Uh, to, to meet with them and get rid of those mandates. So again, it was as an expression of, of frustration, as long as it stays peaceful and frustration doesn't mount in the capital and yeah. then people get angry, it will have been a, a really magnificent way of showing the country that millions of people aren't on board. Um, so right at this exact moment, I think the convoy has done a lot to, to let also politicians who are kind of on the fence know, look, you're speaking for a large group of people if you decide to have the guts to finally say something. Yeah. Um, but if people are expecting the, the list of, of, of uh, goody items on the memorandum of understanding to actually happen, that unfortunately won't work. And, and the reason for this, right, is, is millions of people who never paid attention to politics are now paying attention to politics because politics is taking an interest in them. And it's led to a lot of misunderstandings. Mm hmm. Well, let's get over to the book, because uh, I, I think there is a link here, actually. The Culture War is the name of the book. Uh, Jonathan Van Maren is our guest. It came out in 2016, and one of my questions to you is, uh, since you've written the book, how do you think we're doing on the culture war front? <laughs> you know, it's, it's really interesting, because I got asked to write uh, um, a sort of a five-year updated edition, and I thought that was that was way too soon. But I'll give you some good news and some bad news. Uh, the bad news is, is that when I wrote the book, 
I had like about a page on the transgender issue, <laughs> kind of explaining <laughs> what it was all about. Right? right here, this is what you know, transgender is, transvestite is. It was all these terms that were just, <clears throat> excuse me, just becoming mainstream, and people needed to know what we were actually facing. Now, the the trans thing would be at least a chapter because the gender um, ideology activists have more or less taken every Western institution by storm since I wrote the book. It's an incredibly short amount of time. I have a journalist friend who often says he feels a thousand years old because that's how long it usually takes for cultural revolutions to accomplish this much. On, on, on the abortion front, of course, we have steadily managed to accomplish more, which has been really fascinating to see. Uh, the U.S. has been persistently encouraging because uh, the book came out prior to the election of, of Donald Trump, which nobody saw coming. And at that point, the strategy was, let's get as many pro-life laws passed on the state level as possible. And over 350 of them were passed during Obama's tenure, which uh, drove the abortion rate down to the lowest rate since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, now, in 2020, uh, we were like, we actually, it looks like we're going to be facing um, um, the, the fall of Roe. You know, we've gotten betrayed before, but a lot of people who are usually cynical, a lot of people who are usually pessimistic, like Dr. Robert P. George, Dr. Daniel K. Williams, um, people who generally urge caution are now are now bullish and are saying we think Roe's going to go. So I think we have to be cautious in our optimism. But the 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 winning analysis on the ground right now is that the justices intend to overturn Roe v. Wade, which would be the culmination of uh, almost literally 50 years of work. We have just a couple of, about a minute and a half before we have to go to a quick break with Jonathan mm-hmm. Van Maren as our guest. The Culture Wars is book. You can find it linked up on our social feeds. You can look uh, find it on Amazon and other places as well. Um, but here's, a, you know, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is, um, you know, I wasn't all that long ago when a lot of bishops and priests were hesitant to come out with the pro-life cause. They, they didn't preach on it. They didn't really want to mention it. They didn't want to rock the boat. Now I think that's changed. Much, many more bishops are happy to come out and, and uh, support the pro-life movement, the anti-abortion movement in particular. I see that as a, as a good trend. But I, very few of those same bishops would come out against the transgender ideologies or to support man and woman in marriage in the traditional sense. You got about uh, 50 seconds or so. What would you say to that, uh, Jonathan Van Maren? Well, I think there's there's a certain amount of political uh, political um, analysis going on there because we've lost on every major social issue, but on the abortion issue, we seem to be winning. It's a really bizarre state of affairs in that way. So it's always easier to side with the issue uh, that transparently can be defended with science, without religion, and the trans activists are the most radical activists in town. So if you poke that bear, you're you're more likely to get hurt than if if you state the position on abortion, which everybody's already aware of. So I think it's easier to speak out on abortion, ironically, than it is to say men can't get pregnant and women don't have penises. Yeah, <laughs> the truth, right? I mean, but so many people are seem to be more married to their politics than they are to the Catholic faith. Yeah, and they just don't, they, like, you know, it's the same thing that we had when people wouldn't speak on an abortion. They have a misunderstanding of the words love and compassion. And those words have been hijacked by the LGBT movement, and they have to be taken back, and they have to be taken back by people who are willing to articulate the Christian position on these issues, or we'll keep losing. Yeah, for sure. Hold that thought. Jonathan Van Meren is our guest. The Culture Wars, the book. We have to go to a very quick break. We're going to come back and continue this conversation. On the other side, let's talk about the link to the sexual revolution. Alfred Kinsey. How about uh, Hugh Hefner? Let's talk about those topics. And the way to really fight this is not to remain addicted to our porn, our drugs, our alcohol, video games, none the rest. All that coming up right after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere. 
Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Jonathan Van Meren is our guest. Uh, he is uh, the Director of Communications for the, uh, the Canadian Center for Bioethic Reform. He's a speaker, author, pro-life activist. You can often catch his content over at LifeSite News as well. Welcome back to the show, Jonathan Van Meren. Great to be here. Now, we're talking about your book, The Culture War, and uh, Alfred Kenzie is coming up. Now, this is a name that I would bet the vast majority of the audience probably has never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Who is Alfred Kenzie, and how is he linked to the culture war battle that we find ourselves in? Well, Alfred Kinsey is someone I refer to in my book as the father of the sexual revolution, because really a lot of what has unfolded in America since the 60s can be traced back to his work. Now, he was a zoologist whose expertise uh, actually lay in gall wasps, and if he'd stuck to that, we'd all be better off today. Amen. But he decided to branch off into the new field of, of, of sexology. He assembled a team in the 50s, or 40s and 50s, pardon me, and uh, he began to interview thousands and thousands of Americans on their sex lives, and he released two major books, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male and Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. And these books essentially revealed to a stunned and somewhat titillated public that uh, almost over 90% of Americans were, by the laws of that day and age, sex offenders. Uh, they were sex criminals. Uh, he basically said that almost no men were faithful to their wives, that the majority of men used prostitutes. Wow. The number of, of 10% of men having uh, having sex with other men. Uh, the, the famous claim of the gay rights movement comes directly from Kinsey. Um, there's a lot of other stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that it's simply too early in the morning to talk yeah. about that, that, that Kinsey <laughs> revealed in his reports. Now, when this came out, you, ha- you have to realize the impact that it had, because first, an, in- uh, an entire generation of young people were essentially told that previous generations of Americans were lying to them. They were hypocrites. Uh, they had been told they were supposed to live one way, when in fact they had been living another way. And also uh, questioned the veracity of the law, which seemed to be held in place by hypocrisy. What were the point of laws regulating sexual behavior if, in fact, 
Nobody was living by these laws, and we just needed Kinsey to come along and break the conspiracy of silence. Then there was particularly horrifying data in his book tracking so-called child sexuality, and as it later turned out, it was, this was discovered by Dr. Judith Reisman, who passed away last year. Um, it was discovered that he had actually enlisted pedophiles to abuse children and then reported the reactions of those children uh, as if it were, were they were sexual reactions. This data is still used essentially to justify sex education at very young ages because it was Kinsey who first introduced the idea that we are sexual from birth until death. And as such, you need you need you need sex education all the way down to the youngest ages, you know, preschool. So. Kinsey had a profound impact on every aspect of American life. He had a profound impact on American law, on American family, on triggering the sexual revolution, on sex education in schools. And uh, he led directly to a young man who read his reports and decided to launch in 1953 a pamphlet based on Kinsey's ideology called Playboy magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, that young man was Hugh Hefner. And Hugh Hefner said that he was going to become Kinsey's pamphleteer. Oof. This is the Hefner who was, a, who was, you know, from a strict Christian home, claimed to be actually directly descended from the, the Puritan governor of Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, William Bradford, uh, who got off the Mayflower 400 years ago last year. And uh, he decided that he was going to be uh, um, living the Kinsey dream. So he abandoned his wife and got married. I don't know how many times by the time he finally passed away a couple of years ago, but Alfred Kinsey's the man who's had the most impact on your life that you've never heard of. That is mind boggling. How, how could this man collect quote, uh, sexual data unquote on children and not, not end up in prison? Well, there's a whole bunch of interesting things because basically we've discovered that the Kinsey reports are total junk. Jo Dr. Judas Reisman actually was the one who discovered this because as it turns out back in the 40s, Americans weren't particularly up for discussing their sex lives with researchers and strangers. And so what they did was they junked the data that they didn't like. Um, they, they classified sex criminals, um, um, homosexuals, women who are cohabiting with men as normal, average, everyday Americans, therefore hugely skewing the data to the conclusions they wanted, which is everybody's living lives of uninhibited hedonism. With children, essentially, there was just a, a chart that tracked the re sexual reactions of children, and nobody asked the question, how did he get this data mm. uh, until years later? Um, they also found out that Kinsey, who, who presented himself as this sort of run-of-the-mill, average, moderate Republican, married, was actually engaging in wife swapping, shooting illegal pornos in his attic. Uh, he and his uh, he and his staff members were engaged in sadomasochistic bisexual relationships. Um, and of course, he couldn't reveal any of this publicly because he had to, for the purpose of his you know political project, appear to be a sort of Eisenhower Republican sort of guy with a you know brown suit and a barbecue and a wife. Um, but no, as it turns out, he was already living in private what he was espousing in public. Uh, and and Jud Judith Reisman is the one who has exposed him. And interestingly enough, uh, the, the Kinsey Institute at the University of Indiana has been asked to release the data on, on, on the child sexuality many times. They will not, even though the entire purpose of the Institute supposedly is to preserve Kinsey's work for future generations of researchers. Uh, but they won't they won't release the data. I suspect it's probably destroyed. Mm. Um even there was a there was a docudrama put out by Hollywood on Kinsey several years ago with Liam Neeson starring as Alfred Kinsey. Oh, wow. And even they they had to make a reference to the pedophilia thing because it was becoming well more well known. So they just show Kinsey interviewing this German pedophile who had supplied a lot of his data and they show him as, you know, disgusted. But um, at the end of the day, he was just an uninhibited um, hedonist who tried to transform America and succeeded. You know, I'm sorry, Adrian, go ahead. So, yeah, the just one question I had was, 
you know, in regards to this whole thing, I can't help but think of the connection here between this and one, the transgender movement, and two, the man-boy love movement that's being more and more popular today. I mean, we've seen secular outlets now releasing reports on, you know, we have to be, uh, we have to be understanding and, you know, people are born that way and minor attracted people. We can't say pedophile anymore. This idea, and it seems like this is, has its roots here. What can you tell me about the connection there between the modern LGBT movement and the new pedophilia movement that's re-arising? Well, I, I think that it's, it's, it's fairly obvious that the, these movements are, are taking their initial evidence from Kinsey. He was the one who gave them the pseudoscience to claim that what they were not just simply pursuing their own desires. They were trying to pursue an expression of themselves that could not be changed and that they could not help. Right. If, if, if human beings are sexual till birth, you can suddenly claim that intergeneral intimacy is a valid concept. Right. Um, and that's something that Kinsey put forward, that children were sexual from birth. He claimed, I don't even know how to say this in the radio, but put, put it this way. He claimed he was getting sexual responses from kids under the age of one. It's horrible. Yeah, horrible. Now, if, if you're claiming that sort of thing, uh, then how are you supposed to then claim uh, that, that children don't want to be in sexual relationships if they're as sexual as, as post-pubescent adults are? So, yes, this, this all originates with him. He was a horrible person. He actually died after... after uh, causing himself an, an infection after piercing his own his private area with a nail to explore oh. the boundaries between pleasure and pain. So he died as he lived, you might say, leaving America a much, much worse place when he did. Uh, Mr. Von Maren, you know, that, that I mean, this whole conversation has been a, a shot, but I, I'd like to, uh, to maybe have a chaser here and, and get your take as to what the solution is to this culture war, because these, these elements that we've, spe- we've spoken on just these past few minutes ago have been the seeds of destruction for our culture. But I want to get your take as to what the solution is to all of this. Well, there's the optimistic uh, way this could go, and there's the pessimistic way that this could go. And the optimistic way is that the report card on the sexual revolution has come in, and nobody's happy. Hmm. Uh, you know, like the, the broken homes, the rates of, of sexually transmitted diseases, I track this in both Canada and the U.S. in my book. And if, if we want to talk about a, a real pandemic, we're going to start talking about the sexually transmitted diseases that have kind of ripped through generations of young people, but are now basically treated as the norm, right? It's normal for kids to get chlamydia. It's normal uh, for kids to experience a couple of, of sexually transmitted infections, you know, in, in the first couple of years of, of their of their sex lives, which begins younger and younger. Um so I think we need to reintroduce the concepts uh, presented in theology of the body. I think that we need to aggressively point out that in a generation facing uh, millions of questions, we, we actually do have the answers. We, we are presented here with a real opportunity because when you tell kids they've been lied to today, they do believe it because they're not happy, right? The kid that, that grew up, um, with parents who split up and convinced themselves it was for the kids. Mm. Um, you know, the kids wanted us to split up and while we pursued our sexual interests with other people. When all kids really want you to do is knuckle under and stay together for them right. because you're the two halves of their world, Amen. right? Um, so kids know that they've been sold out, right? I do pro-life activism, and we go to high schools all the time, and the kids aren't sure we're right, but what they do know is that they've been lied to their whole lives because none of this is making them happy, right? They're digital addicts. They spend all of their time obsessed with pornography. A lot of them are losing their sexual function by the ages of 16 and 17. We have the highest rate of, of erectile dysfunction among young men under the age of 30 in recorded human history. Young men under the age of 30, I'm sure this is not news to any of you, d- didn't used to experience 
experience erectile dysfunction with any frequency. So the sexual revolution is, has functionally broken healthy sexuality, and we have the opportunity to explain why that happened and what the solution is. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, to, to listen to this, but I think so many Christians have bought the lies of pornography in particular. We have about a mi- one minute left in our conversation. What would you say to men in particular who are holding on to pornography addiction? Jonathan Van Murray, about 60 seconds. If you're holding on to pornography, you're part of the problem. If you're looking at pornography and you're married, you're cheating on your wife, and you're pumping sewage straight into your frontal cortex that is transforming your view of sexuality and rendering you incapable of doing any of the things that you need to do. You cannot be a good dad if you're looking at porn. You cannot be a good dad if you're a good wife if you're a husband pardon me if you're looking at porn you cannot fulfill these rules because what you are engaging in is sexual cannibalism you are consuming somebody else for your pleasure it's completely one-sided and it's essentially engaging in the material that's destroying us at the greatest frequency there is no greater threat to our churches our communities our families and our marriages than porn and this is something that you know you need to deal with and you you need to get on top of that right now because pornography is is is, it's it's so so soul destroying and i say this coming from hundreds and hundreds of conversations with wives husbands and their kids i've seen what porn does get rid of it if it's in your house if you can't handle not looking at it because you have a smartphone smash the phone amen well we're out of time jonathan van muren thank you for your time today the culture wars the book you can find it linked up at amazon.com you can also find him and his blogs and other content at lifesite news jonathan god love you god bless you have a great day same to you. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. That was a tough pill, but an important conversation. Share that with people you know that are struggling in that category. I think it might help them. But uh, don't forget to get your car raffle tickets. You might win a brand new Mercedes. Go to grnonline.com. Scroll down until you see the black, night black Mercedes there. Click on that for the details. Otherwise, we'll see you in the second hour or back here tomorrow morning. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the Word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com raffle. Does hope give light to your day? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. At the end of the long list of good works in his rule, St. Benedict finally gives the most important one. Never lose hope in God's mercy. Hope means that we bring the future, where Jesus already reigns as risen Lord and Savior, into the trials, fears, and discouragements of everyday life. 
Hope allows us to give a gentle reply to an angry outburst, to remain calm in the face of disappointments, to continue doing what we know we are supposed to do, even when the outcome seems fruitless. Hope allows us to turn over the results of our efforts to God, who will bring them to the completion He wills. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com There are many places where the light of Jesus' resurrection does not shine. There is no place where it cannot shine in hope. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is January the 31st already. I mean, what happened? It was Christmas like yesterday. And uh, now it's January 31st. So February is right around the, you know, the corner tomorrow. And then, of course, that means Lent is fast approaching. And are you ready for Lent? Yikes. So much to think about. Let's just focus on our work week, our school week, our, <laughs> our to-do week. I mean, whether you work inside the house or outside the house, whatever your agendas are today, we're going to be praying for you that God will use you in an abundant and powerful way uh, in whatever you are doing. We're going to be praying for your intentions coming up in just a moment. Uh, it, very tough but important conversation last hour with Jonathan Van Muren and Gabriel Castillo. We're going to post both those conversations to our social media feeds, all of which is linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But uh, Gabe's still hanging out in the studio. Good morning to you, Gabe. Good morning, sir. Uh, you know, guess what? Yes. I sent, you know, that talk, we that private conversation we had uh, was a couple of months ago about your own journey, your own convert, like reversion. Yes, yes, yes. We shared that with our CDT Insider email list uh, last week, week before. Claire's was last week. Yours was the week before. Yes. Power, powerful response. Well, all in God's providence. Yeah. Praise be to God. Thanks for being able to allow me to share that story with you. So It was great. Yes. Uh, if you didn't get that, dear listener... Contact us. Let us know that you want it. A great way to do it is to get on our email list, which is also linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, but we'd be happy to send it to you. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. That was a crazy conversation. It was. Uh, you know, in the during the break, I was saying, man, I got a pit in my stomach thinking about all this crazy stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah I know. I mean, we are we are in a culture war. So uh, yeah. you know, in war, there are ugly things, but we look forward to the uh, the peace that, that Christ can bring us. Amen. Amen. Speaking of peace, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? Yes, despite of it all, in despite of, of all. Uh, all the craziness going on in society, despite Alfred Kinsey, it is good to be here because Jesus is king. Viva Cristo Rey. 
I can say he was a friend of mine. Uh, well, he is that too. He is that too. <laughs> but you know, I got to climb uh, Mount Cristo Rey over the weekend, and it was a beautiful, beautiful trip. We hiked up the mountain. We get to the top. Mm-hmm. We look forward, and what do we see? There's Mexico in front of us. Yeah. To the right is New Mexico. <laughs> to the left is Texas. Yeah. And we're there, and I can see it all. And there's a giant statue of our Lord, and it just brought me so much joy and happiness and such hope because that statue was erected during the time of uh, the Cristero martyrs. So the people were slaughtering the Catholics in uh, Mexico. And this was the response of Catholics. And this has to be a response now. Let's let's build shrines to our Lord. Let's take a public space. Let's make pilgrimages. I'm excited. You know, I read uh, a letter sent to the USCC. Not, not, it wasn't the USCCB in those days, but it was some, it was the thing that predated the USCCB. Uh, A letter begging the bishops of America to take an action to help with the suffering of, of, Catholics in Mexico. And uh, it was a, a gripping letter, and unfortunately not enough was done because America was uh, negotiating with the Plutarchus government, and they were selling them planes and arms and, and other things. So it wasn't politically expedient at the time. And uh, so it's a powerful story to look into the Cristero Wars uh, and uh, the, the suffering of the Catholics not all that long ago just south of us. It, it could be an eye-opener. At any rate, uh, we're going to have a great show this half hour to, for you. We have a good news story. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus we have our game show Fear and Trembling. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. And we will have a new set of prizes to give away this week. Praise be to Jesus. We're looking forward to that. And then, of course, we are going to have a bit of an after show. And Gabe's going to hang out with us and chat with us a little bit more about his video and life in general and the Catholic faith. All of that coming up this hour. So if you can, join us. Also, don't forget, your time to win the Mercedes is going to come to an end very, very soon. Because we are only weeks away of giving away a brand new Mercedes. It's a GLA 250 in night black. And some lucky Catholic radio listeners going to purchase this uh, car raffle ticket and then get their name drawn out. And then, of course, drive away in a brand new car. And that's kind of cool. And uh, the reality is you get a cool car and we get to keep Catholic radio on the air. It's a winner for everybody involved. If you really want to help, call your local Catholic radio station manager, your GRN manager. And ask them, hey, how do I get tickets and how do I help you by selling these tickets to my friends and my family? Because I want to make sure that my local GRN station stays on the air. Right? Amen. Praise be to God. Go to grnonline.com for the details. Let's pray and let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story for the day. Daily Mail reports. Two-year-old boy saves his family from huge house fire by waking up his parents, who couldn't smell the smoke because of COVID, saying, Mama, hot. When a Texas home caught on fire in the middle of the night this month, a two-year-old boy came to the rescue, waking up his parents and ultimately saving everyone's life. Nathan, who's 33, and Kayla, 28, from Alverd, were asleep at 4.30 in the morning on January 15th when a fire erupted in their home, quickly filling the house with flames. But because their fire alarms malfunctioned and didn't go off and both had lost their sense of smell due to COVID, neither was awakened by the danger. 
Enter their two-year-old son, Brandon, who tapped his mother on the foot to tell her it was hot. The family quickly escaped their burning house, making it out with their lives but nothing else. Everything is gone. We lost our car. Everything inside the house, Kayla told Good, Mor Good Morning America. Brandon saved us. He was wrapped in God's arms to help protect him and make sure that our entire family was able to get out. The fire started at around 4.30 a.m. due to what Nathan thinks was a gas heater in the living room. He and Kayla couldn't taste or smell due to a recent bout of COVID-19, and oddly, none of their alarms worked. He says, We had a brand new, less than a year old smoke alarm in our house, Nathan told the WFAA. None of them went off. But Brandon, who had been sleeping in the living room, woke up to the flame and smoke and entered his parents' bedroom. He tapped, he tapped me on my foot, and he was coughing and saying, Mama hot, Mama hot, Kayla told GMA. I turned around, I looked, and all I saw was flames. In the, in the doorway. The couple leapt into action, getting their five children out of the house. She's screaming, fire, 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 Nathan said. My initial thought was, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work. <laughs> we had seconds, he added. It's nothing short of a miracle. Nathan, a six-year volunteer firefighter, had taught his children what to do in a fire and they knew not to touch anything on their way out. The family managed to get safely outside and only then did the fire alarm go off. They stood across the street watching their house burn down with the flames also destroying both of their cars. About maybe a minute after we got out of the house, our front door had flames coming out of it, Nathan said. Everything was in flames. What a miracle. Unfortunately, no one was injured. Uh, sorry. Fortunately, no one was injured, though Brandon had some slightly singed hair on his head. Kayla and Nathan credit the little boy with saving their lives. He saved our entire family, the proud mom said. I mean, he's our little mini hero. She also believes there was a higher power at work. Brandon definitely had a guardian angel help him to get out of that living room. It's honestly nothing short of a miracle. An absolute miracle, she said. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. John Bosco, one of my favorite saints. John Bosco was born in Italy on August 16, 1815. His birth came just after the end of the Napoleonic Wars, which ravaged the area. He was raised primarily by his mother as his father died when he was only two years old. John attended church and became very devout. When he was not in church, he helped his family grow food and raise sheep. He had a photographic memory. When he was finally able to go to school, he was reportedly he forgot his Greek textbook one day and not wanting to get in trouble, brought up his science textbook and recited a Greek poem from memory. Everyone was astonished. When John was nine years old, he had the first of several vivid dreams that would later influence his life. In his dream, he encountered a multitude of boys who swore cursed the name of God as they played, and he decked them right in the face. Among these boys, he encountered a great majestic man and woman. The man told him in meekness and charity he would conquer these your friends. Then a lady, also majestic, said, be strong, humble, and robust. When the time comes, you will understand everything. This dream influenced John the rest of his life. One Sunday evening, John staged a show for the kids he played with and was heartily applauded. At the end of the show, he recited the homily he had heard earlier in the day, and he ended by inviting his neighbors to pray with him. His shows and games were repeated during this time, and John discerned the call to become a priest. He labored for two years before he met Joseph Cafasso, a priest who was willing to help him. Cafasso himself would later be considered a saint. In 1835, John entered the seminary and following six years of study and preparation, he was ordained a priest in 1841. 
While visiting the prisons, Father Bosco noticed a large number of boys between the ages of eight of 12 and 18 that were in prison. The conditions were deplorable, and he felt moved to do more to help other boys from ending up there. And on many such occasions, the Freemasons tried to kill him. And whenever Pius IX was elected, the Freemasons celebrated throwing parades for him until later when Pius IX became a blessed, you know, he had a conversion. And the boys wanted to go. He told them uh, when the Freemasons to shout out, long live Pius IX, to respond, long live the papacy. When he was not preaching, Father Bosco worked tirelessly seeking work for the boys who needed it and searching for lodging for others. His mother began to help him and was cons- it was known as Mama Margarita. And by the 1860s, Father Bosco and his mother were responsible for lodging 800 boys. Father Bosco died on January 31st, 1888. The call for his canonization was immediate. Pope Pius XI knew Father Bosco personally and declared him a blessed in 1929. St. John Bosco was canonized on Easter Sunday, 1934, and was given the title Father and Teacher of Youth. St. John Bosco, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him, a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some biblical scholars have, have speculated that this child, I think in the in Luke's version, it, it the Greek word actually refers to an infant. It may here as well. I did not look it up before the show. But uh, some scholars have believed that this child might have been Ignatius of Antioch, which is mind-blowing for those of you who might remember, Ignatius was a disciple of the Apostle John himself, wrote seven letters that we know of for sure. There are others attributed to him that we're speculative of, but these there's seven for sure. And he was eaten by lions in Rome after, after he had a confrontation with the Emperor Trajan. In, in Syria. It's mind-blowing how awesome Ignatius of Antioch is, and to think that this may be the child is even more pretty cool to me. But here's what Hadock commentated on today. He says, humble souls who are little in their own eyes are so dear and closely united to the Almighty. He goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven is not the reward of ambition, but the boon of simplicity and humility. Adrian, did you find anything? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Cornelius Lapide had a ton of things to say, but I will leave it at this. He said, The greatest in the kingdom of, of Messiah, which the apostles expected Christ, would establish on earth, through a though a heavenly and divine kingdom that is in the church. He says, For the church militant on earth is tending towards the church triumphant in heaven. And this is why, he says, that thou who, thou who is least will be greatest because he's considering the least in the church, meaning the most humble will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because those who are humble here on earth will be exalted in heaven and you'll have a higher place in heaven because heaven is in fact a hierarchy. I know we like to be egalitarian and say everyone's equal, but no, in heaven there will be greater and there will be lesser. So be humble now, uh, humiliate yourself, 
And hopefully we will have a higher and greater place in heaven if we make it there. Yeah. Amen to that. Oh, the, and St. Chrysostom's commentary on today's gospel reminded me so much of St. Maximilian Kolbe and, and his time in Nagasaki, you know, when he was no longer the father guardian and had to live in obedience to his superior and the humility needed to, to do that. And all the friars thought he was a saint because he could do it, right? It's an amazing thing, a humility and our role accepting that in God's will. All right, let's pray uh, that we have a great game show. It's next on the agenda. You could play. You could win prizes. It's fun. It's easy. You don't need to know the correct answers. You could still win. Here's what you do need to do. You need to call 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open waiting for your call now. The game show's up next. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Call now. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2:10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody my secrets or my agenda. So you have to keep this just between us. Okay. But if you promise, then I will share with you what we like to do on the down low. 
Number one, we like to teach the faith. So he looks for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about the Catholic faith. Praise be to good uh, God. Just think about how you might brag at the next you know, office party or something. It's going to be fun. And then, of course, we like to laugh. We like to have a good time. Our callers tend to be a lot of fun, good sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that probably more than anything. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us, here is the kicker. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. I will not ask the caller these questions. They do not need to know the correct answers, and they could still win. And the reason is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will have 15 seconds to decide whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian. And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Uh, Rudy, what could they win? The sponsor of our game show this week is Santa Clara Design, who is generously sponsoring our game show with a matching set of prints of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Enthrone your home. This is a great opportunity if you win this to enthrone your home uh, to the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She says, our hearts desire to draw closer to God. We all need encouragement. We long to dwell in spaces that reflect what is true, good, and beautiful. The Catholic online boutique Santa Clara Design provides accessible and affordable ways to create a beautiful sacred space in your everyday life. The owner and designer is Laura, and you can visit her website at santaclaradesign.com for top-quality Catholic prints, canvases, stickers, as well as a variety of stationery. You can follow her on Facebook or Instagram at Santa Clara Design. Praise be to God. Thank you at Santa Clara Design for your generous sponsorship of our game show. Looking forward to giving away these matching prints of the Sacred Heart an immaculate heart, and love the idea to enthrone your home. We have, and I'm looking forward to giving these away, so praise be to God for that. All right, we are going to go to the phones, play our game this morning. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Praise be How to God, Jim. Where are you calling from? Abilene. Abilene, isn't, Texas. isn't that the home of the 72-ounce catfish steak? Catfish Corner. Catfish? I was thinking about catfish. <laughs> catfish Corner Cafe. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the steak. Isn't that where the 72-ounce steak is? I don't know because I'm a vegetarian other than fish. Oh, other than fish. Bummer. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a 72-ounce fish you could be challenged by eating. A giant I catfish. I think there's a, there's a steakhouse it's, it's, in Abilene. I think it's a 72-ounce steak challenge. But anyway. There is a big steakhouse, um, the Lytle, or I don't know if it's Lytle or Little Steak Company. Yeah. And they have a place. But they have uh, good catfish I, too, you say? Well, they have a good they have a good portobello mushroom Ooh, burger. Hey, now. So instead of burger, you get a this Big old portobello mushroom is really, really good. <laughs> you're going to gonna make me hungry if <laughs> we keep talking about food, Jim. <laughs> uh, where, do you, uh, where do you go to church, Jim? I go to um, St. Francis of Assisi over on Cottonwood. Hey. And um, right now my priest is in uh, Nigeria, so I'm, want, I'm ready for him to get home because I worry about him getting home. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, we'll be praying for him. Sure. We'll pray for his safe travels. Uh, and uh, Holy Father hey. Francis, pray for us. All right, Jim, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the the rules work? Yeah, I I, I enjoy it when I get to hear it. Um, Praise God. I've learned a lot from your show. Oh, awesome. I learned who the patron saint of animals is. It's Saint Animal. 
And I learned who the three wives were. Rudy, Joe, and Adrian. Saint Adamel. That yeah, goes back like a ways. It. I mean, that's no. like months ago. Wow. Praise be to God. Yeah, you are, I thought you, that was hilarious. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, then you will know that I am your. I'm your on your side here. I, <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't, are you guys okay? I mean, I'm. I'm here to help you, Jim. Mm-hmm. I will, you and I will have to navigate Rudy and Adrian together. Are you ready to play, sir? Yeah, as long as I can watch the screen and I can see their, their <laughs> <eyes>. <laughs> All right, we have to go. We have to get started. Okay, here we go. We're going to go to Rudy, as is our tradition, our custom. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? I'm ready. Are you sure? Joe, did you hear me the first two times? <laughs> Rudy, can you tell me? <laughs> which occurs first, the Creed or the Kyrie? Uh, I'm going to go with the Creed. Are you? Credo in unum deum. Gesundheit. Uh, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me which occurs first, the creed or the Kyrie? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That would be the Kyrie. The would creed it? happens after the sermon. Does it? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the Kyrie would be what part then? The, you know... Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Like the penitential country. Christ have mercy. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Christ have mercy. And the creed is like what we believe or something? Something like that. Okay. Something. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jim, I guess this is trickier than I thought. The question is what comes first, the creed or the Kyrie? Adrian seems to think it's the Kyrie. Uh, it's my man, Adrian. That was easy. Right, do you want me to go? <laughs> Rudy, Rudy says easy, easy. What? Your no man, need. Adrian. Wow. I thought we were friends, dude. My boy. Hey, you know what? I just, I've been reading this great book. Can I can I pitch a book while I'm here? You got about half a second. Go ahead. The Lamb Supper. Oh yeah, great book. We love Lamb's that book. Excellent book, and it goes through all the parts of the math. But anyway, okay. Love it. All right, nice. so that was easy. Softball there. You, you, it's great. You connected well. Balls over the fence. Congratulations. You're in the cup. You could win. But let's see if we can't double your chances. We'll go with Adrian this time. That's scary. Thought. This one, Jim, is a lot harder. Okay. Uh, okay. It's pretty hard. This this one could be the hardest of all three. Uh, Adrian. That's my name. Mm-hmm. What are the two types of indulgences? Two types of indulgences. Yes. Well, you see, you have your positive indulgences. Oh, really? Those that, you know... Uh-huh. Actually do something good for you. Yeah. And then you have your negative indulgences. Uh-huh. And those are like the ones that put you down further in hell. The ones you pay for. Oh, interesting. Those are fun. So that's not <laughs> anything to do with how I feel. Like, it doesn't make me feel positive or feel negative. No, no. It's like no, good or bad. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just uh, let's get a second opinion here, Jim. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me what are the two types of indulgences? Two types. Plenary. And partial. <clears throat> Sounds both are very wow. You know, you have to have the right disposition to get them. Okay. So look into that. Yeah. Actually, we talked about that. On we the have. Show. Yeah. Sure. So All right, plenary so and partial. Plenary and partial is your answer. Okay. Made up. Jim. <clears throat> Jim. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, Rudy says they are plenary and partial. Whereas Rudy is the man. Wow. You don't. Okay. Survey <laughs> no says. <problem>. Survey says. <laughs> Easy, We're easy. friends again, Jim. I need We're my dub again. button back. But yeah, thank you. Praise be to God. You're you know, in for two. The, new Catholics read a lot. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. Or are you? <laughs> you're a convert then, Jim. You're a convert. Yes, sir. From I've where? Been Catholic for for two for two years and four four and a half months. Praise be to God. Wow. Welcome home. I was a Seventh Day Adventist. 
Whoa, big change, my friend. Wow, and, uh, that's pretty the, cool. The things that I would hear about the Catholic Church, I, I started to really ask a lot of questions. Amen. And it drove me right to the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. How much of the I mean, Okay, we, we, we're running out of time. I have one more question but to ask for the game okay. show. But super quick, Jim, how much of the early church fathers did you read in your journey? I read a lot of Ellen White. I didn't read a lot of... of oh, you can't... You, wait till you read the early church fathers. <clears throat> Your mind's going to be blown. Oh, coming to, coming to the Catholic Church, yeah. I've read a lot. All right. Oh, go, oh cool. Praise God. Church, All right. Before we run out of time, i got to ask this third, uh, third question. We're going to go back to Rudy. Good. Rudy, can you tell me, what was the tool heaven desires as the great bulwark against heresy and vice? You look to your left. Uh-huh. You look to your right. Yeah. And it's a massive convoy Ooh. of a Eucharistic procession. Is Whoa. it? The bulwark against heresy mm. and vice, my friend. Is a Eucharistic procession. Jesus right? himself. Interesting. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me, what was the tool heaven desires as the great bulwark mm. against mm-hmm. heresy and vice? Yes. Yes. Our lady. Mm-hmm. She came down from heaven. Yeah. She looked to her left. Uh-huh. She looked to her right. Uh-huh. She saw Holy Father Dominic, and she said, <laughs> take this. You're going to need it on your journey. What was it? It was the Holy Rosary. It was the Holy Rosary. That makes sense, too. Mm, okay. I guess, I guess Jim, sense. here's the deal. Adrian says this is the Rosary, but Rudy says it's the uh, Eucharistic procession. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jim, what say you? Okay. I got to guess at this one. Mm. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Adrian. On purpose? Because I'd be lost without the rosary. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Well done, good sir. Well done. Praise be to God. Perfect score, Jim. You did great. God is so very good. Thank you for playing our game oh, today. You guys are so awesome, man. I love it. Thank you. Well, we enjoyed having you on, and uh, your quick responses was a lot of fun. Praise be to God. Uh, yeah, the early church fathers was big in my journey to the church, too. I was Church of Christ. So uh, welcome home, Jim. Welcome home. And pray the rosary oh, every day. thank you. All right, God love you. I we're love gonna the rosary. we're gonna put you on hold so we get your phone number in case it be God's holy will that you should you should uh, win on Friday. Your name be drawn out of the coffee cup of divine providence. But uh, otherwise, that's gonna do it for the radio side of our very first show for the whole week. We have a great lineup of guests for you tomorrow. Praise be to God. We will have uh, His Girl Sunday on to talk about the candle mass coming up. Alexander Trugowell will also be on tomorrow. Uh, to give us an update on the mandates in Austria. Uh, we're going to ha- talk about Our Lady of Buen Successo on uh, Wednesday, and then we're going to talk about the Second Amendment on Thursday, and a lot more coming up this week. So join us if you can. Share us with a friend. Get your car raffle tickets. You might win a Mercedes at grnonline.com. And if you can hang out with us on the live video feed, stay tuned. We're going to have an after show with Gabe Castillo. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John Bosco. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who raised up the priest, St. John Bosco, as a father and teacher of the young, grant, we pray, that aflame with the same fire of love, we may seek out souls and serve you alone. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of Samuel. An informant came to David with the report, The children of Israel have transferred their loyalty to Absalom. At this David said to all his servants, who were with him in Jerusalem, Up, let us take flight, or none of us will escape from Absalom. Leave quickly, lest he hurry and overtake us, then visit disaster upon us and put the city to the sword. As David went up the Mount of Olives, he wept without ceasing. His head was covered, and he was walking barefoot. All those who were with him also had their heads covered, and were weeping as they went. As David was approaching Bahurim, a man named Shimei, the son of Gera, of the same clan as Saul's family, was coming out of the place, cursing as he came. He threw stones at David and at all the king's officers, even though all the soldiers, including the royal guard, were on David's right and on his left. Shimei was saying as he cursed, Away, away, you murderous and wicked man! The Lord has requited you for all the bloodshed in the family of Saul, 
in whose stead you became king. And the Lord has given over the kingdom to your son Absalom. And now you suffer ruin because you are a murderer. Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, please, and lop off his head. But the king replied, What business is it of mine or of yours, sons of Zariah, that he curses? Suppose the Lord has told him to curse David. Who, would th who then will dare to say, Why are you doing this? Then the king said to Abishai and to all his servants, If my own son, who came forth from my loins, is seeking my life, how much more might this Benjaminite do so? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Perhaps the Lord will look upon my affliction, and make it up to me with benefits for the curses he is uttering this day. David and his men continued on the road, while Shimei kept abreast of them on the hillside, all the while cursing and throwing stones and dirt as he went. The Word of the Lord. Lord, rise up and save me. Lord, rise up and save me. O Lord, how many are my adversaries? Many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, There is no salvation for him in God. Lord, rise up and save me. But you, O Lord, are my shield. My glory, you lift up my head. When I call out to the Lord, he answers me from his holy mountain. Lord, rise up and save me. When I lie down and sleep, I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I fear not the myriads of people arrayed against me on every side. Lord, rise up and save me. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. A great prophet has risen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, the Lord. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs who had an unclean spirit met him. The man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles smashed, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the hillsides, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Catching sight of Jesus from a distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He had been saying to him, Unclean spirit, come out of the man. He asked him, What is your name? He replied, Legion is my name. There are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. 
Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they pleaded with him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. And he let them, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. The herd of about two thousand rushed down a steep bank into the sea where they were drowned. The swine herds ran away and reported herd, herders ran away and reported the incident to the town and throughout the countryside, and people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him to leave their district. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed pleaded to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, Go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. You might remember on Friday, uh, David went from being this tremendous lover of God to even going from lusting to committing murder. And God had told him because of this, you know, there would be this strife in his family. In that first reading, it basically has begins to play this out. It is David's son, Absalom, who is basically going to come and to take over Jerusalem, take over the kingship. And here we find David, in, in, in a way, great humiliation, walking out of the city of where he is really king, walking out and uh, so that Absalom basically, would, if he's going to take the city, would take it in peace and not put the city to the sword. And along the way, of course, this Shimei is there basically throwing stones and dirt at him, basically, you're a murderer, look at what you've done, and this is why. This is because you murdered Saul's family, because of everything else, this is why God is treating you this way. And it's because, I think it was St. Bart Bernard said, there are three keys to the spiritual life, humility, humility, and there's one more, humility. And here David's great humility to accept that uh, Shimei's um, words of cursing to him. Um, you know, David could say, oh, I, don't, I don't really deserve this. But he recognized because of his sin, God was, we could put it, quote-unquote, punishing him, chastising him. But he recognized, too, that it was out of God's goodness that he was doing this. He was humiliating David. But in that humiliation, he was bringing him to be open to many, whatever God's blessings might be in the future. I think it reminds us, too, that, you know, even because of our own sins, there's a temporal punishment that is due to us. We try to make up for this through our penance uh, and through confession and also just little ways of penance that we do this in our life. And it just reminds us that, uh, you know, that of course, we cannot make up completely for what we have done. But it shows God the contrite heart that we have, the sorrow for our sins, and that we realize we have to try to do something to change, to amend the way our way of life. And even to accept whatever God brings to us temporally, the temporal punishment, uh, to suffer now, or the, rather we have to suffer it in purgatory. But that we recognize these are these, this is a good blessing from the Lord to help us in order to form us, to make our will more docile to the will of God. We come to the gospel. This has to be the most dramatic exorcism that is presented in the gospel. It's really quite fascinating. I think it's Jesus got out of the boat and he was going to walk towards this, the territory of the Gerasenes. There must have been a big sign and barricade that said, enter at your own risk. 
because there was this guy out there in the tombs screaming night and day. People tried to basically do, you know, put him so that he would not go anywhere, so he would not bother anybody. They tried to put him in chains, but even those chains uh, could not hold him. But there were spiritual chains that were binding this man. And when Jesus comes, and he comes with no fear, goes into this, uh, this, end, this, this place of entering at your own risk, and this man comes running towards him, running towards him, kneels at him and asks him to, to free him. Jesus, of course, we know is already, he's, he's, he's saying, you know, unclean spirit come out of him, and that what will happen is this really dramatic uh, event where the, the demons go into this swir- uh, herd of swine and then run down the hill, 2,000 of them. The livelihood of these people is basically the economy has been hurt because Jesus has come into their territory. You can understand their reaction. They wanted him to leave. And they were just, fr- frankly, they were just fearful that this, seeing this man in his right mind, this, this is really quite strange. There's kind of a little humorous uh, cartoon out there which uh, presents all these various animals that are presented in the gospel uh, around Jesus in his, in his little crib Christmas. And each of them are saying what they will do for Jesus. So the camel says that he will bring him gifts. The donkey says, I will carry him. The fish says, I will pay his taxes. The chicken says, I will feed him. And lastly, the pig says, I will allow him to fill me with demons and run and jump off a cliff. Is it, wait, what? And this is what I'm going to do for Jesus? But uh, it's, it's quite humorous. What are, what are each going to do? I think it just reminds us, too, when Jesus comes into our life and into our world, sometimes things get shaken up big time. And the, the, the difficult the, the swine herds is they were not willing to basically take a hit for this man who is now freed from being bound by legion, by these demons. Each of us, in a way, in the body of Christ, as St. Paul says, when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member is exalted, we are all exalted. And so somehow, too, we suffer in different ways, in different degrees, for the body of Christ. We simply have to allow God to accept all that he wishes to bring into our life. As like Job says, you know, God brings good, he brings evil. We should just give blessing and thanks to God. So whatever God gives to us this day, whatever he has planned in our life, let's just accept it freely as coming from the goodness of God to shape and to form us to be his most perfect disciples. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for Bishop, our Bishop Michael, for all the bishops throughout the world, and all the clergy with the people entrusted to their charge, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for those who hold public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for those who are bound by chains, chains that, 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 that keep them from coming to Jesus. For those who too, who are obsessed and possessed by the evil one, they be freed, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that we may accept all that God brings to us in our life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray for all those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for their intentions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We finally, we take a moment of silence off of the prayers we hold in the silence of our hearts.
we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, so that we may receive from your mercy what we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits through Christ our Lord. Amen. Help us, O Lord, to learn the truths thy word imparts, to study that thy laws may be inscribed upon our hearts. Help us, O Lord, to live the faith which we proclaim, that all our thoughts and words and deeds may glorify your name. Help us, O Lord, to teach the beauty of your ways, that yearning souls may find the Christ and sing aloud his praise. Help us, O Lord, to learn the truths thy word imparts, to study that thy laws may be inscribed upon our hearts. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the oblation made by your consecrated people in commemoration of blessed John Bosco be acceptable to you, we pray, O Lord. And grant that by participation in this mystery, we may reflect the pattern of your love through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. John Bosco you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus abhaut, plenis sunt celi et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccata mundi, 
miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, says the Lord. an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. May this holy meal give us strength, Almighty God, so that by the example of Blessed John Bosco, we may show in our hearts and by our deeds both fraternal charity and the light of truth through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.